Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. As always, we'll thank the title sponsor of the Nolcast, Louisiana Hot Sauce. Three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. Title sponsor of the Nolcast, title sponsor of the Braves Radio Network. You know, kind of one in the same, uh, undoubtedly, bro. So Bud's on the road up in Nashville doing some road work. Uh, so we may have a, a little bit of uh, a different both video setup and we're working with a hi-fi hotel hi-fi hotel wi-fi so that could uh hit and miss as well so forgive us if uh there's a you know a blemish or two on this but uh interesting little conversation that we have both about the nc state preview and also uh, a lot of things not necessarily tied to the game on saturday so uh let's jump right into it there's a decent amount of stuff for us to cover yeah man let's go ahead and do this thing uh so you want to go game first? You want to go the transfer of Chubbett Purdy? You want to go a little recruiting? You want to go A.J. Duffy returning home there to Cali? What, where, where do you want to go with this? Let's do Purdy quickly. I mean, uh, that's happened a couple days ago now, and, uh, you know, stuff ages particularly quickly when there's as much media options, so we won't uh, bore you with a ton of conversation on it. But let's hit that, jump into some recruiting news, most of it pretty positive in my opinion. And then we'll uh, jump into some game preview and maybe hit a listener question or two before we bounce out. That works for me. Uh, so Chubb Party this year, very minimal reps, played a little bit against UMass. He's a kid who came in, uh, was a member of that 2020 recruiting class, which was the first class that Mike Norvell signed. Um, as we've discussed on this podcast many times, if you sign a recruiting class in your first couple weeks on campus, like Mike did in 2020, like Willie did in 2018, like Mullen did in 2018, like Jimbo did in 2018, it is more than likely going to suck. There is oftentimes a reason why you're getting some of these higher-rated players. And in many cases, it is not a good reason. Not always, but on the average, your attrition rates are going to be sky high. If you signed a good number of players in that kind of top 500 range, I think only two of them start. And Purdy is now gone out of that mix. Uh, he's a guy who got hurt almost immediately upon campus, uh, surgery. They had to have another surgery, right. To, to get something cleaned up with, with that collarbone you know, shoulder thing that was going on. He was away for the team from a while. Then he came back and then allegedly it was all kumbaya, but I don't know that it ever was to be frank. Uh, and I think that just, here's what I got from, from the guys I talked to party thought he should be having more playing time and wasn't getting it. Now, personally, I don't think Jordan Travis played very bad against against Clemson. It's Clemson. You can't block them. You're playing with a bunch of guards who are, if it's a video game, they're on like 30% life, right? You know, I mean, they, they can't block him. Clemson's able to get pressure with three and drop eight. Purdy is demonstrably not even one of the top two quarterbacks in practice. Like Milton looks better than he does in practice. So I don't really think you're going to put him in against Clemson. This is where this part of the story, I think, ties in a little bit with the game this week because there is a major flu ripping through Tallahassee right now. They have canceled the baseball Garnet Gold scrimmage. They have canceled the swim meet. As of now, this game is not going to be canceled. I don't think it will be canceled, right? It's just the flu. It's not It's not COVID. Um, you know, my co-host on Cover 3 last week, Danny Cannell, said he had the flu. Now, wasn't allowed to fly to New York due to the abundance of caution, obviously, for COVID reasons. Uh but you know, to, to do the CBS show, but it kind of had him on his butt a little bit. And then he took an IV and you know, 48 hours later, he's feeling pretty damn good. 
I don't I kind of wonder, man, like what is the real benefit of transferring early in the season here? Now you might tell me, or not early in the season, but just before the season is done. You might tell me, well, bud, the reason is because there's only a few spots out there that are available for quarterback transfers. Okay. And that's just what it is. You want to get yourself on the market. You want to be able to secure your spot early. And if that's the case, okay. Uh, but if you were unhappy with playing time, maybe if the starting quarterback or multiple starting quarterbacks missed practice or two, and you got the impression that maybe maybe Milton was going to play over you if Jordan couldn't go, that could be a reason yeah. to, to bounce, right? And I suspect that is what happened here. And I don't think that's the only reason, but if you want to point to a, a last straw, transferring out on a Tuesday is a little little weird. Right? Why? Why? What? Why is that happening on that day? That that makes me wonder. Yeah, not to uh, microanalyze everything, but it certainly had all the appearances of a of a you know quick decision. I don't want to say rushed, but uh, it was a rather elementary note slapped out there. Three o'clock on a Tuesday is not necessarily how things uh, you know pop if you're uh, if you've kind of gone through a little bit more of a elongated process. So uh, no graphics, all those types of things would lend you to believe that this might have come up rather quickly. And I think, uh, you know, I don't know it to be 100% accurate, but if you want to go with a theory <clears throat> where uh, Milton might have been on the on the sheet here preparing for this week and, and you thought you were in front of him, then, yeah, that could lead to that. It also, and this is uh, something that reminded me to not be maybe quite the cynical bastard that I can be sometimes, pardon the language. But it makes me think that that story from last week about, or two weeks ago, that Milton just kind of voluntarily gave up his playing time against UMass might actually had some more truth to it than I thought, or at least be a lot more based out of authenticity. Also makes me appreciate McKenzie Milton all the more where he's like, nah, I don't even want to, I don't even want to go on the field with those guys. Uh, you can let these other people take some snaps here. So um, yeah, he's gone. Uh, I know other people voice this opinion, but the second that he went to go do rehab back in Arizona, I didn't really think he was coming back. It was a red flag. Am I surprised that he uh, jumped in the portal? No. Uh, was I surprised by the timing and the situation surrounding it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think we're on the same page here, man. Uh, it's disappointing. I know he had made some improvements. Uh, I don't know that he was somebody who was going to come in and light the world on fire. He does have some talent. I think a lot of his growth here was stunted due, due to the injury and then the, the re-injury. And, you know, that, that's just some time that's going to be difficult to make up because you do have a you know, fairly highly rated quarterback coming in as a true freshman. And, and I don't know that Purdy – I mean, he could be, but he also could not be ahead of Duffy when, when Duffy gets in here. All right. Uh, jumping headfirst into the recruiting part of the conversation, I do believe um, – all right, bud, here's something. This is fun. I'm, I'm excited right, to talk it. about this. You and I have both talked about uh, that the people at, inside Tallahassee were confident about Travis Hunter staying with his pledge. And respectfully, we both kind of wanted to try to find positive news that wasn't coming from Tallahassee. Not that I don't believe people on this staff or whatever else, but if you know that this kid is as influential as he could be in your career arc and the trajectory of the program and support that the program is going to receive, then you're going to be pretty positive that he's going to come to you ultimately. I'm not saying that George is out of this, but I am saying that I have heard from people 
whose stock that I believe in enough to mention on this podcast from the Georgia side of things that they don't think the traction that needs to take place to flip a kid like Hunter has necessarily taken place over the last two or three weeks, uh, that they made a really solid run at him, that uh, Travis did something that a lot of high school seniors in Georgia do, which is go to Athens and have a hell of a good time uh, multiple weeks. And that maybe he's not like project one for Kirby smart at this point. Now, again, I'm not saying that Georgia's out of it or that they're putting this behind them, but I don't think that people in Athens think that the series of events have transpired that would be necessary to kind of flip a kid that's been this long committed to a school this late in the process. Yeah. And of course, George is also involved a lot of their studs, but I, I, I definitely feel better about Travis Hunter this week than I did maybe, a, I don't know, a three weeks ago, four weeks ago, because any, anytime a, a long time committed player to your, your school uh, and somebody who is kind of your bell cow pops up elsewhere, you're going to think, ah, okay, that's worth paying attention to. But yeah, we, we both talked to independent people who are uh, very confident that he will end up sticking with his pledge to the Knowles. Nothing's ever certain in recruiting, but uh, the confidence did did feel good to hear, obviously, for Seminole fans out there. Uh, not a whole lot of big-time recruits coming in for this weekend's game. You do have some important visits to watch elsewhere. I believe you have Earl Little and Marvin Jones Jr. going up to the Alabama game this weekend. Uh, they are playing LSU. LSU uh, is going to be without four of their top five defensive backs in this game, as well as a couple <laughs> offensive linemen and a couple other dudes, and that's not real pretty. So, And a staff that is fully on the same page and definitely not criticizing each other in correct. media outlets. And a spread that just happens to be 30. Oh, good. Okay. So, yeah, uh, they will probably see some points scored and most likely a lot of pass rushing and pass intercepting opportunities there uh, in Tuscaloosa. So, you know, that will be one they have to overcome. I think Damani Jackson, the, the the California corner, is also in town. That's an important note, right? Because we don't really know exactly how many guys Alabama is going to take this year. Uh, we've discussed all the time that if uh, if Little is – takes not a right word, but if Bama really pushes for him, I don't think she's going to win that battle. Uh, if this – the longer this goes, I think the greater chance that it gives FSU to win a battle for Earl Little Jr., right? Because they have some good relationship with him. Obviously, Randy Shannon on the staff does make some difference. So I think that's an important note right there uh, and one that FSU fans should pay attention to. Watch what happens to Tuscaloosa this weekend. Um, if they green light him and really push for him to be in the class, it could be all over. Two kids that have been uh, committed for a decent period of time, but have both had really senior, uh, solid senior years and, and really have the staff excited. Uh, Omar Graham, a kid at the linebacker position when he committed, uh, we were pretty firm in saying that that's a good pickup, but that's a good pickup if you can surround multiple, uh, you know, m- multiple pieces around him. He can't be your number one linebacker. Uh, and then Mortimer, the wide receiver, who's really had a, a hell of a year and has impressed many with uh, with his performances. So I just want to mention two kids that have really uh, done nothing but impress with their senior film and have the coaching staff all the more excited about their pledges at this point. Yeah, I, I can tell you the staff really feels like they have hits there uh, on, on those two kids. I mean, Mortar, Mortimer's been putting up big-time numbers. We know he's, he's you know, a, a uh, become an elite-level track guy, but certainly somebody who has really, really nice top-end speed. If you were somehow able to get him and Kevin Coleman in the class, uh, that would be an injection of speed 
onto your roster that you really don't have right now with the exception of maybe Corey Wren. Uh, and Corey Wren, as a functional football player, is was not at the same level in high school, I don't think, as where Mortimer is currently. So uh, that would be that'd be big-time news. You're also getting you know, up here Wesley Besaint, going to be here for the Miami game. We'll see how that goes. Um, obviously, Penn State, West Virginia, Miami are still in it. But you kind of demonstrate every week the need that you have at the, at the <laughs> linebacker position, to be frank here, man. Uh, so we will see how that goes, but they are getting him up again. That is fairly encouraging. Uh, it's also kind of Juco season, getting late on Juco season, but there's you know maybe a couple kids out there that are still evaluating on the Juco side of things. We'll see if any offers come from that. Kind of a weird year for Juco because, if you recall, they had all that COVID waiver stuff to where they, everybody, they waived all the SAT stuff. So some of these kids who were like single-year Juco normally – uh, they actually didn't have to go JUCO. They just went to a school. So we don't necessarily have quite the JUCO crop that we normally would have for um, for the reason that a lot of these kids who don't have a test score were able to just get into a school because the the uh, the SAT stuff uh, was waived by the NCAA due to COVID. Um, so we'll see what they're able to, to target and pull out of the junior college ranks. And clearly they're going to have to go portal as well, uh, which is not necessarily a negative thing. They have built a great, but at least good reputation, right, on the portal with guys like Jermaine Johnson, Fabian Lovett, Devontae Love Taylor, Gibbons. They've had some nice, some pieces that are, are decent players and some pieces that are really good players. They've also had some misses, but uh, look, kids don't really pay attention to the misses as much. They pay attention to the hits because they're always going to believe in themselves and think they're they're the hottest thing out there, right? Uh, and if you have some good examples to point to. Hey, we, we understand how to assimilate transfers into our culture. That's a big deal. And they may be able to, to pull some stuff off there with the uh, with the transfer portal. I do, by the way, still expect Duffy uh, to early enroll. I don't know if we went over this, but um, I know he told our Greg Biggins uh, that he had, I think, dislocated uh, one of his fingers on his throwing hand. IMG plays a game in Canada this weekend, uh, which is kind of a nothing game, I think. And then they also play, I believe, St. Francis, which is a team from Baltimore, which is really, really good. So I'm sure he has to be bummed uh, to be missing that game. But apparently he did injure himself. That's why he's no longer on the uh, the IMG roster. Yeah, so Duffy leaves IMG with uh, the intent of early enrolling and finding a new home in Tallahassee. And, uh, Bud, there's no better time for us to let you tell our listeners about the, the only way for them to go about the process of finding a new home for themselves. Yeah, man, it, it, it's it'll be interesting to see what we're able to get out of that. And I mean, ultimately, think about this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, bro. Before we get to the game preview, we have a little bit of hotel Wi-Fi issues, I think. Here, okay, my bad. Let's hit up the. Uh, this is funny. Let's hit up uh, a little okay. bit of a, right. a shout out to our friends at uh, Resolution, and then we'll jump into the game preview. 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. Just had another person reach out to me today. Said, hey, what's that number? I was like, man, I got to give the number out even more on the show. 844-FSU-LOAN is 844-FSU-LOAN. If you are watching us on YouTube, I will put the banner up, 844-FSU-LOAN, as we jump into the preview. It's Shannon and Chad. It's over 200 NOLCAST listeners. It is exactly what you want in a home loan. Awesome customer service, great rates, knowledge of the industry. 
what you need. Give them a shout. NC State, this is a uh, a challenging team to really get a feel for. Uh, I, I think I knew what they are. I think I uh, kind of have fallen back on what I've thought over the last month, but they certainly have some variance in their game and uh, are not, uh, you know, I've reached out to two, two friends of mine who I really hold in high esteem in the media to try to get their opinion from them as well. It's a, it's a team that's been hard for me to put my finger on and get a good reading of them. So with that, bud, I am uh, excited to hear what you think of the Wolfpack. Like a very weird team. Okay. Like to, to evaluate. And yet I feel like I have a really good handle on who their players are and what they do but their metrics are, are kind of funky. Um, all right, so SP Plus has these guys 25th in the country. I think FPI is pretty similar. This is a team that I've been very high on from the beginning of the season. Um, as I think I talked about in the preseason, I have a little future on them to win the ACC. Wish I had a little more because I think they maybe could beat Wake uh, coming up, and that would potentially, if they, think, if they win this weekend, you know, it would put them potentially in the conference title game. Uh, we talked about this in the offseason that, that their numbers were probably going to be better than what we thought uh, because last year Devin Leary, their quarterback, only played about half the games and they had um, uh, Bailey Hockman, excuse me, as the other QB. Uh, it's turned out to be true. So, but it's still weird to me because check this out. So they're 25th in SP, plus. they are 60th in offense, SP, plus, and they're 15th or 14th rather in defensive SP. Plus. It's just very screwy to me. So they scored 27 on Clemson, but that was in overtime. They scored 33 on Boston College. That was when Boston College didn't have its quarterback, which I don't know if I mentioned this, but by the way, he might be coming back way, like very early, potentially as early as, uh, well, Thursday night or Friday night, rather, if you're listening to this. Of course he is. Friday. Of yeah, course he is. Right. Yeah, seriously. Um, so that's problematic. To the, the, the BC thing there. They scored 45 on USF. That's really no great shakes. USF is terrible. Um, they scored 10 against Mississippi State, the game they really just couldn't get anything going. Put up 45 on Furman, and they put up 34 on Louisiana Tech. And they put up uh, what they put up here. Let me pull up some other stuff. 33 and 31, uh, respectively, against Boston College in Miami, and then 28 last weekend against Louisville. Yeah, exactly. I am uh, I'm refreshing my sheet here so I can load my most uh, recent numbers, by the way. Anyway, Devin Leary has been really good for them this year on a touchdown-interception basis, just extremely strong. Um, one of the best ratios in the entire country. However, um, there's some weird, weird stuff going on here. So check this out, dude. He's got a 21-to-2 touchdown-interception ratio. That's like one of the best – in the history of that school, right? Probably Russell Wilson or uh, Philip Rivers would maybe be the other guys, but I kind of doubt it. All right. How, and, and adjusted yet net yards per attempt of 8.1, which is good. It's not great. Sack percentage of 4%, which again is not not terrible. You know, like not not amazing, but not, not terrible. Gets rid of the ball relatively quickly. Completion percentage of 66 so tell me why their passing success rate is only 70th and their passing efficiency is only 71st and their passing explosiveness is only 64th. It doesn't make any sense to me. And so I went and looked at this and 
I don't want this to come off the wrong way because there's a chance he just absolutely torches FSU on Saturday, and we'll get to that. He could. He's a damn good player, I think. They've got some weird situational stuff. Like, this is a team that throws a lot of five-yard passes on third and eight, and it looks good. Okay, it helps completion percentage, and yet they're not actually converting those third and eight, third and tens. They are 100th in third and long success rate, right? Uh, Now, here's the thing. If they get you in a manageable third down throwing the ball, they're ninth on third and medium. So there is a very distinct deal here for whatever reason, and I'm I'm sure that some of this is variance. Like, they're not going to maintain a split that big for the entire year. That's very unlikely to me. But they don't drop back and throw the football down the field all that well, which is surprising to me because Larry has a, has a really big arm and, and I like their receivers, but if they get you in third and four, third and five, you're, you're, they're probably going to convert. They're literally ninth in the country in that stat. I mean, they're converting that at, at, at a two thirds clip, but they're converting third and long and only a 20% clip. Hmm. How do you, how do you, how do you rationalize that? You know what I'm saying? I, I, how do you square that? It's to me, it's tough. Uh, and I, I go to the the passing offense first because I got to say, their run game is actually not that good. They hit some big runs, but their their rushing success rate is 103rd in the country. It's not that great. They they have it, they're like one of the weirdest teams I've I've seen because like Bam Knight, 5.4 per carry, right? Ricky Person Jr. 4.9 a carry, not that bad. But they end up putting themselves in a lot of sort of bad spots. They're actually their average third down distance is actually 7.9. So it's just kind of a funky, funky team. And I'm not totally sure what to make of it. They do th- they throw the ball a lot on first down, which is generally what you want to do, but they don't seem to create a whole lot of explosive plays off it. And yet they don't give up a lot of negative plays. Right? <laughs> That's the other thing. They're seventh in the country in havoc rate allowed. They have a good offensive line normally. It, it, it they don't allow a lot of a lot of like guys in the backfield, um, but yet they don't create a whole lot of runs that are more than like a yard or two. It's it's so weird. You watch an NC State game, just pull up their box score. It's like rush for two, rush for one. What? It's like they have some kind of magic force field where you can't get tackles for loss on them, but yet they also don't like they don't hit a lot of four and five and six yard runs. They'll hit like a one, a two, a zero, a one, a two, a sixty. It's very inconsistent, and I am just left watching them and thinking they should be better than they are because there are a lot of nice pieces here to like. But they also – they just do some stuff that just kind of kills them, man. Some of it I think is coaching. I don't know if I love Tim Beck as an offensive coordinator. And they also – one of their kids just drops the ball nonstop. Yeah. If you watch the Miami game, they should have beaten Miami. Devin Carter's the kid that if you watch that game, you almost wonder if someone in, uh, you know, organized crime didn't get to him before the game or something like that. I, I mean, mean it, it, Miami was nowhere near this kid. It looks on balls he dropped. like he was wide all, open. He was going to run forever. Yeah, look, look like you 88 was all but dropping it intentionally. Uh, Emeka Amizi is a pretty explosive wide receiver. It's a, a lot of fun to watch. Thayer Thomas is the, uh, you know, uh, stereotype uh, of the white, shifty, uh, solid Perceiver, a receiver that is a, a guy who just seems to, you know, catch it at five and turn it into nine. Um, they run a ton of 
like the stuff that everybody does in college football right now, as far as mesh concepts and uh, try to try to get your own kind of long developing plays uh, horizontally. And I guess really they, they kind of attack <clears throat> horizontally in general. A lot of their run game is, is some kind of that longer developing uh, spread. Yeah. They, as well. they kill man looks for sure. Yeah. I mean, like their, their adjusted yards per attempt against man is 13th in the country. It's only 60th against zone. Hmm. So like, if you try to man them, they will kill you with some mesh stuff. They will hit you with crossers. There are problems manning these guys up. This is a little bit difficult for FSU in this regard because FSU so far has not figured out how to play good zone defense together under, what's this, eight games now, end of the year. Part of this is it's just personnel limitations too, right? They're probably not going to be a great zone team. Uh, they're not a great man team either, but I think they are a little bit better playing man than they are zone. Uh, generally, so you're right. They they do run a lot. So I, I interrupted you. Sorry, I just I that was a stat I, I had pointed out earlier in my head. And I, I need to make sure I saw it. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, they're they're just a solid team. I, I agree with you that it's hard to look at them and wonder how they're not having a little more success than they have because they they certainly seem to individually have all the pieces. Uh, this is again another game that we talk about. What's Florida State's path to? To win in, having your defensive line uh, perform at the level that they have at times and, you know, turn some of these one and two yard runs that we've talked about into, you know, zero or negative ones and, and try to force them to be uh, a little bit more predictable in the past game uh, in an area that you're going to have a hard time stopping them. I mean, I, I'm i not a big subscriber to a bend but don't break mentality or anything, but it's, it's hard for me to not see a way that this offense doesn't make you bend a, a pretty decent amount on defense. Yeah, I, I think you need to try to. I think you need to try to to not allow explosive plays against these guys, play more conservatively, and just let them make a mistake. They, they seem to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, they're not a team that people have blitzed so far a whole lot. It's kind of a national average blitz rate. They don't allow a lot of hits on Leary. They don't allow a lot of pressure. They definitely don't allow a whole lot of sacks. Uh, you hate to just let Thayer Thomas eat you alive underneath because he certainly did last year. And personnel-wise, you're a little better there this year than you were last year, and you get your second year in the defensive system. But that that is certainly a worry. Uh, is this the best passing game? Well, no, you played Wake. Wake's a better passing game. Is this the second best passing game you've seen this year? It certainly has the pieces to be right there. Yeah. yeah. Um I, I, you know, if they're if they're clicking, Wake has been very good this year, and I think there's a inherent want in all of us to kind of detract from what they've done uh, in general, just because it's Wake Forest. But uh, these guys are awfully close to Wake; they really are. And again, uh, if if the pieces click, then this this will be the best passing offense that you've seen, and uh, quite possibly the best passing offense that you will see all year. I think it's better than, than Notre Dame for sure. It's definitely better than what Clemson has. It's better than Q's. It's better passing offense than 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 Louisville. Although you let you let Louisville throw the ball all over you, which was disappointing because their their passing offense kind of sucks otherwise. Um. All right, so a couple other names to know here. You already went over Thomas. You went over Meze. Uh, their running backs do catch quite a few balls. Uh, this is one thing that I think we can point out here. I would let them keep doing this. They throw the balls to their running backs, and it's really not an efficient use of plays. Like their guys, Ricky Person Jr. 
yards per target is 5.2. That's, that's, that's not very good. I mean, Zonovan Knight, 4.5. They, they throw the ball a lot to their backs, and they're just not efficient with it. If you look at this and you look at their spray chart, like their numbers are red in terms of efficiency, but also like they're pretty high volume to these guys. Ingram. Like this could be one of the reasons why this team does poorly. That and they also they will run the ball on second and long, which creates too many third and longs. Like we know that kind of it's like oh we we an incomplete pass on first down, better come back and run it. It's actually not the case. It puts you behind the change for the third down unless you're like an option or modified option team, kind of like FSU uh, is right now. But I mean, 23 targets for, or excuse me, 29 targets for Ricky Person Jr., 15 for Zonovan Knight, 12 to Trent Penix. I mean, you're talking about like over 50 targets to running backs this year. That's crazy. It's it's an offense, uh, Bud, that's interesting. And, and you mentioned this in some of the more advanced numbers, but it when you watch their games, and they've been up and down throughout, but the one consistent thing that they do have is they will have kind of groupings of meaningless offensive possessions. Like the offense yes. tends, tends to check kind out for two, or, two or three drives consecutively. And you'll go through a whole, you know, two thirds of a quarter where, you know, maybe they do 14 plays. I mean, in a couple three and outs, maybe they pick up one first down. It is, it's strange that they are that kind of hot and cold with all the pieces they have, but per, particularly with as much experience as a lot of those pieces have. So it's a, it's a strange it's a it's like an engine that will when it fires it's pretty nice and then it has a hard time uh you know getting everything together and you you see a period of misfire as well dude seriously it is it is crazy um you want to talk well we should probably mention their offensive line as well they have one of the better offensive lines in the league uh Equanu is their their stud offensive lineman everybody thinks he's going to go pro um I mean, not go pro, but like everything's going to go pretty highly in the draft there. He may end up being a guard in the NFL, but he, he's one of the better offensive linemen in the league. When we talked at NC State this preseason, I said they have a lot of guys on this team who are not obvious first team all ACC guys, but they got a lot of dudes. If you know the league, you would probably vote second team. And they're, I think that's largely proving true. Ekwan is a guy who will likely be a first team uh, type dude. Grant Gibson's been okay for them. Dylan McMahon's not a bad player. This is a fairly solid group up front and will be a big test for FSU's defensive line. So uh, got to keep those linebackers clean. Got to see if, uh, if NC State can can throw the ball outside the sticks and, and if, if Carter will catch it. And uh, I would invite them to waste a lot of passes those running backs and see if they continue to be inefficient with their use of, of resources there by throwing that many balls to the backs. That's just not uh, – it's nice in theory, but in practice it's just not very efficient. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, you want to you talk defense? You want to go congruity? What do you want to do? Yeah, let's talk defense real quickly. Uh, it's another group that kind of uh, messes around with the, the in vogue defense that we talked about last week, uh, kind of what is born at Iowa State with some of the 3-3-5 looks and stuff like that. It's uh, implemented, what, last year, I believe, for the first year and didn't necessarily have the most stellar of results, but uh, looks to be a much better unit this year. It is. Um, they are. They're also an interesting defensive unit because, like, when I watch them, I don't feel like their defense is that damn good. 
and yet their results are very strong. Like it's almost the opposite of their offense. I feel like I'm watching their offense. Okay, they got some nice pieces here. This is going well. This is going well. This is going well. And ultimately, oh, hmm, just not, not clicking. Defensively, they've been really very strong in almost every area. Uh, they are exceptionally good against the run. Uh, they are tremendous in success rate overall, run or pass. It's it's hard to consistently move the football on these guys. They have great size up front. They play with decent leverage on the ball for the most part. Uh, so here's their defensive stats so far against the run. Uh, they're fourth in rushing success rate. They are second in the nation in stuff rate, which is what stuffing runs for zero or negative yards. That's pretty nice. Uh, number one in power success rates. So if you're bad in short yardage, unlikely to be the team that you will all of a sudden start converting a bunch of short yardage plays against. Uh, now, defensively, on the pass side, 12th in passing success, uh, success rate allowed, 7th in passing efficiency allowed. So wh where do you attack these guys? A couple ways. And I'm not really sure FSU is equipped to do it, but we will see. The one, one way they are, the other way they're not. NC State is kind of leaky on early downs with the explosive plays. When teams have gotten them, it has been largely off play action and balls over the top, right? They are actually 114th in the country in explosive plays allowed on early downs. That's a weakness. They trigger downhill against the run aggressively. Kenny Dillingham, Mike Norvell's job this week is going to be to try to create explosive plays, get those big plays over the top, Get those seam routes down the field. Try to spring guys open off play action. Use that eye candy. Use motion. Uh, make sure they respect the legs of the quarterback and then try to throw it over the top. Because you're probably not going to have much success driving the ball on these guys, even with some of the other factors I know we'll get to in a minute. Uh, the other area where they're not that great, to be honest, is kind of like their offense. They are good, but they're not great on like fourth, like third and long, fourth and long stuff. For whatever reason, maybe they just don't have a premier and knock on wood here because against FSU, they could all of a sudden develop one. But, dude, it just feels like they don't have a premier pass rusher type or real lockdown corners on the outside at this point. And so teams have been able to drop back on third and seven, third and eight and actually do a decent job against these dudes. Um, it's it's kind of funky. They also have, uh, have been pretty damn bad on goal-to-go situations. It's a limited sample, obviously, even though we're eight games in, it's, it's always been a limited sample because you don't have that many goal-to-go situations, typically one or two a game. But they have not done a great job keeping people out of the end zone once they get down to the goal line. It's kind of interesting. They're not a super heavy blitz team. Um, you know, but like, it's just, it's funky, man. It's it's weird to see what they do. Yeah, it's a solid unit. Uh, like you said, pa pairs fairly well with some of Florida State's offensive strengths, and it will be uh, curious as to what you can do. Like uh, like you said, some of the early shot plays. I do think that you can try to be creative and create some looks with Cam McDonald again, uh, depending on how you set up uh, some of your screen game and other looks like that. But uh, I, I think you're gonna you know you're gonna have to try to try to labor. And again, this is another game where if you win this in your Florida state, I think you have to try to win 
uh, a college football game by what I consider like a 1997 score. You know, you got to try to win 24-21 or something like that. Um, and it will be very interesting to see if you can do that. Uh, before we get to uh, the predictions and some listener questions, we'll thank our friends at Congruity as we are fond to do. Congruity doing nothing but making your business uh, as optimal as possible, as they have for ours, as they have as they have for uh, four or five partners now. Congruity is highly customized HR solutions designed to enhance your brand, save time, save money, and reduce business risk. If you wish to get in touch with Matt Lewis and his team, you can contact them via phone at 844-247-4100. Again, 844-247-4100, or reach out to me, and I am more than happy to put you in touch with Matt. So again, Congruity, congruityhr.com. And a big thank you to them for the support they give the NOLCast. All right. Uh, so individual defensive player talk. There is a guy who FSU fans are pretty familiar with named Corey Durden, who has had a nice year for, for NC State. Um, Daniel Joseph's another guy you need to know. Tanner Ingles having an okay year. The, the most important thing that you need to know here um, is that NC State is actually missing two of their best three linebackers. They're missing Peyton Wilson and they're missing Isaiah Moore. And I do think that has limited what they can call in recent weeks. Now they did a nice job of creatively hiding the lack of those linebackers against Louisville. And we're not able to be hurt by Louisville. Uh, Miami, however, really took advantage when, when Moore went out and, and pressed the gas pedal and were able to really get down the field and take advantage of that a little bit. Miami throws the ball a lot better than FSU does. FSU's offense is probably more analogous to what Louisville does, right? With a kind of a non, I'll say non-passing quarterback. It's not fair to Jordan, but uh, a quarterback whose greater strength is his legs than his arm. Uh, so we will see how FSU takes advantage of that. They have got to find ways to exploit NC State there. NC State's also had an injury uh, in the secondary with Cyrus Fagan, who played early in the year, the FSU transfer, uh, but has since, I believe, out for the year. So they have definitely suffered some injuries on the defensive side of the ball. It'll be up to FSU's offense to see if they can stalemate what is still a pretty damn good defensive line and who I assume be a motivated Corey Durden, who, whether you like the guy or not, when he's motivated, he's a good player. Uh, although he, when he's super motivated, he makes some really crazy penalties. <laughs> you know, see uh, the Miami game. Yes, exactly right. <clears throat> so we will see if he can play with his emotions in check. It's always tough for him. But that's going to be one of the keys this game is can you find a way to pick on some of these weaknesses of NC State? It's it's going to be tough, man. Uh, they actually have five different guys with double-digit pressures on the year, so including Drake Thomas, who's kind of now their, their do-it-all linebacker and is probably having the best – well, he's definitely having the best year of all the linebackers. The other two are, are, now, are now hurt. Uh, they have not – hauled in a ton of interceptions on the year by the way that's the other thing like they they don't turn the ball over a lot themselves but they also do not create a ton of turnovers defensively which is probably the utter disconnect that you see here their defensive numbers if you believe turnovers are luck but also somewhat correlated to how well you play they only have what four picks on the year i believe so there is something to be said for for turning some some of those passes defensed into interceptions. And I would assume that's coming at some point. If you're a Knowles fan, you really hope that this weekend is not that point. 
Anything else you want to touch on before we get predictions? Uh, the flu. Probably need to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we certainly mentioned that some at the beginning. Um, challenge. I think it's been a very disjointed week of practice. It's been a very disjointed week. Uh, I've mentioned numerous times that this is a hard team to predict at times as far as what you're going to see on the field on Saturday based off uh, some of the reports that we've gotten on Wednesday and Thursday, and I expect this to be, uh, you know, that example on steroids. It is – it it could be something that – in another 24 hours you're uh, in a decent place with, or I guess another 36 hours. It could be something that we look at on Saturday and in retrospect Saturday night and realize that Florida state fielded a roster that had no chance to beat NC state at all. I mean, it is uh, it's very dependent upon exactly how widespread this is. And if it's as all encompassing as some of the conversation, particularly yesterday, then Florida state can have a hard time, but uh uh, you're just going to have to see what it looks like on Saturday and see how full of a roster you get to throw out there. I, I will say because of when this flu hit, right, it is possible that you actually have a fuller roster than some of the doomsday folks think, but also a roster that did not get to do a whole lot in practice this week, mm. if that makes sense. I mean, yeah. if you miss practice on Tuesday, Wednesday, right, and you happen to be a quarterback, if you don't have COVID, if you have this the flu flu, there's a pretty good ch- <clears throat> excuse me, there's a pretty good chance you can get some IVs and you can be ready to go. And it's not like Jordan practices full go a lot anyway, because he's got a lot of issues that he doesn't want to get banged up with. And it's not like a not him not want to get banged up. They don't the staff does not want to get him banged up because as we've seen, when Jordan's not in there, it's kind of over, right? I mean, the backs the, these running backs that we that we love don't do anything when Milton's in there. So <clears throat> A lot of it is Travis's legs opening things up. My, my worry here is NC State's a better team than you are. And I think if you're going to beat them, you needed to probably have a legitimate week of practice. And I don't really think they did. Uh, I agree. I, I think it's, and I'm not suggesting that you're saying this, I think it's a much broader issue than just Jordan Travis. I mean, there's this is a sure. spread throughout the roster, and uh, it, it will be interesting to see how much. I agree. Also with you that this hit, you know, in my opinion, this kind of peaked on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. And if you can cycle some of that out, then, yeah, you might be all right on Saturday. Uh, if this peaked on Tuesday and Wednesday and then you proceeded to continue to pass it throughout the locker room and you've got new cases of it popping up. And I think there's some of that, but but I can't confirm that. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah. Like, we'll I think some of your bigger it. names had it Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. Um, as far as prediction, I'll go first. Florida State 23, NC State 28. I'm going to go 31-20. Okay. Um, NC State. Uh, it, it's an interesting game, man. I I actually could see FSU win this game. I think it's unlikely. I don't really think FSU could blow them out. I could see NC State winning this game. If there's a blowout to be had, I think it's on behalf of NC State. Um, just be like, I could see things spiraling downhill. Who knows? If you if you got a bunch of guys who've had the flu and they get IV fluids in them, do they play well in the first half and then they fade? I I don't. This is a much tougher game to predict. Uh, I was actually I started 
like last week, I was like, okay, NC State's going to beat FSU. And then I looked at it, I was like, you know, they, they fought against Clemson. NC State is not as good as Clemson. So there are things you can do against NC State you can't do against the Tigers. And I, I kind of started to dig in NC State's numbers. Like, okay, like their actual production doesn't really match up with like Leary, what he does. And they do some things that are just not real, not real efficient against good defenses, at least. But now with this flu stuff, I'm back on picking NC State. So that's unfortunate. Um, also, if you guys are listening to this, definitely watch that BC game on Friday night. I know I will be watching them uh, face Virginia Tech. We will see if Dracovic ends up playing for the Eagles. But, man, getting a win here would be huge for these guys. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's – it's shoot. I mean, you're asking me to predict a team that is somewhat difficult to predict and also deal with the flu. They could pull it out, and that would be absolutely huge for their season. We, get a we'll win here would go. be massive. It would be massive. Yeah. It would help to create a all the more better atmosphere for next weekend, which is kind of your final, uh, you know, on-site uh, recruiting push where you're trying to get as many kids up as possible for this Miami game would be um, – it would be a significant turn of events. I just think there's a, a tough matchup and some outside events that have kind of uh, conspired against you this week that's going to make it very much uh, an uphill battle. I agree, dude. Um, you got anything else tonight? No, man. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, as always. Uh, we'll remind our listeners to stop by the good people at Madison Social on Saturday as you make your way to the stadium, uh, see our friends Matt and his team, and uh, otherwise we'll be back with a instant reaction on Saturday night. Was it 4 o'clock kickoff? It's a little strange. 4 o'clock on the ACC network. Oh, uh, good. All right, man. That's hey, exciting. If... if uh... If FSU wins, what product from the AC Network will, will you use? <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll give the whole Nolcast team a uh, if they still have some of those uh, tactical frying pans because I think almost every advert. Oh, we should is, throw down. Is a, is a, tactical, tactical something. Yeah, if you're advertising on the ACC Network, you almost have to claim it's tactical uh other than the irish it is. uh it is. potato cutter or whatever the hell they had running a couple years ago. you don't think but, that that's uh, a tactical irish potato <laughs> cutter, bro? at the very least that hey. the placement of that ad is a tactical choice yeah exactly when i'm out in the woods uh for no reason whatsoever i've got the uh irish chopper here that i can uh, feed a full army with this uh nothing the, but a uh a mandolin but uh, the tactical you know. frying pan is the hex clad one right it's like oh you can't scratch it. Yeah, you can't scratch it. You can't. Which is uh, perfect. So. Like, you know, I, so my son has this sword and shield kit, right? And he also has a pirate sword. So sometimes I'm the guy, I'm the pirate guy with the sword. And sometimes I'm like the medieval knight with the sword and I get the shield. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's easier. You just kind of stand there and you just block his, it, like he doesn't have a lot of discipline with the sword. He's just wailing on you with it, but like he's just kind of blocking it. So I can certainly appreciate, um, I'm to pause here for that siren to go by. I can appreciate if you are in the woods and a person with like a like like a buck knife comes at you mm -hmm. and you need to use that thing as a yeah. duplicate shield yeah. or maybe a bear claw like had they tested that on the commercial exactly. they don't show a bear claw trying to scratch wait, it, right wait till you tell the bear that he has picked Bro, the wrong ombre uh, nobody else is rocking a tactical frying pan out here taste this tactical uh, hex clad yeah. right here bro let's <laughs> All right, yeah. If if we uh, if FSU pulls this upset off, 
We can expense uh, that, right? Oh yeah, our, our, our account listens to this show. It so. will be uh, it uh, will be gifts for everyone. And uh, sorry to ruin the surprise, accountant, but you've got everyone your involved own, with Nolcast. Yeah, not, you've not, got your not own. All, all not not all listeners. No, we, I don't. We could have, not afford about two million. Don't have the ability of that, and I'm not taking out the commercial loan to do it. So uh, <laughs> also the shipping cost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no comment. Uh, all right, y'all enjoyed it. Looking forward to Saturday. Uh, be great if you get a victory, and great that we'd be able to do a instant reaction tied to it but we'll be here either way and uh, very much look forward to miami week next week and we'll be with you as we uh, prepare for the final stretch of the season here thank you as always this has been the nullcast <laughs>